And hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. The Dulcimer Geek Podcast. I'm Steven C. I'm Dan Lambert. Hey, Steve, what do you when, uh, you know, like when you're checking to see if your mic's on, do you have something that just kind of comes out like it's, you can't stop it? You always just walk up and test the thing. Yes, there's two things. Um, when I want to check the loudest points, I'll say, ah, that's really good. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's a good one. And when I want to. <laughs> When I want to check the normal talking level, I always say, okay, so now what I want you to do is this. So now, okay, so now I want, okay, now I want you, that's what I do. I usually do uh, Chickity China the Chinese Chicken. Yeah. From, uh, what's that? From a Bare Naked Ladies song. Oh, that song. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Have a drum stick and your brain starts ticking. I like it because it's got all of those hard consonants in there and you can see if anything's popping. Yeah. This is kind of it's a it's a positive sounding song, very much so. How are you, man? I'm I'm doing all right. Why are we doing this today? When we you know it's been a while. Well, we got the time. Why do we have the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, because there is a virus that is it it's easy it it travels fast and it sticks around and we're all being asked to stay at home and. I'm not directing this necessarily at you, yeah. but have you noticed that some of your friends, you love them even more when you socially distance yourself from them? <laughs> you feel like you and I get along better the less we are around each other? Maybe. I don't know. That's I mean, not true. Not really true. That's pretty funny, though. Oh, yeah. The COVID-19 thing is happening, and uh, we should say what the date is. Do you know what That's the a, date is? Does yeah, anybody even is... count days anymore? <laughs> Thursday, March 26th uh, at 2.51 wow. p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. Yeah, and not just the you know the great weight and, and even sadness of this of this virus. We've had, uh, we lost Matty McNeil just a couple of oh years ago. Oh, my gosh, I know. I know, that's hard. And there's another fellow, a hammer dulcimer John guy. John Weinberg. Yep. So it's been... Been a been a tough year. I mean, it's probably. I mean, since last you and I talked, uh, Doug Snap died. That's not true at all. Not true. Not at all. He died four years ago, five years ago. <laughs> that is, cannot be true. Yeah, that's true. Really? <laughs> yeah. It seemed just like yesterday I was talking to him. Well, it always feels to me like Doug Snap has died. We can't let Dina hear this part. That's not good. Aldina would be fine. She, I mean, not fine. She, she loves him. We all loved him. It's just, uh, wow. He died a Man, decade. Bro. Dan, that was a decade ago. It was not. She's so peeps. It was not. Well, but I miss gonna, him every day, honestly. I was thinking I, of him last night. So there you go. This isn't going to be a morose thing. Well, well any more It's so already than morose. <laughs> we just, we love these people. These are our people. Um, uh, in the dulcimer world, uh, I think... Especially when you've been to as many festivals as you have in particular, you're just a part of people's lives and they are equally a part of yours. Yeah, we, we really are a family. I mean, it's, it's a community. You know, like I see Rick Thumb, for instance, just one of many. I see him everywhere I go. You know, it's everywhere funny. I go, all over the country. It's like wherever I go, there's Rick Thumb. <laughs> you know what? There might be more than one. <laughs> oh, that would be excellent. And if anybody could be, 
in two places at at one time. I I would think it would be him. He could do it. What's he? He live he lives off of like Cheetos and lettuce or something like that. What's his? He's got some weird diet. Okay, he's unbelievable. I I was just with him in towns in Tennessee, and I said, "Are are you know are your your brothers and sisters like you with this high energy?" He's like, "Nah." I said, "What about your kids? Like your son?" He's like, "I'm you know, I have an unusual amount of energy." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he does. I mean, he can be, he can, yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow, Dulcimer Geek guy. Yeah. Where where have your journeys, you and I have probably had so many off-ramps of things that have held, you know, sparkly objects that have held our attention for a time. Oh, yeah. We don't remember all the ones since last time we did one of these that are dull. I'm not talking about everything. I mean, Dulcimer related. Well, I will say, I just want to point out that things have changed a little bit. Like, um, you became a mayor, and that's a big deal. I mean, it's a really big deal right now, especially. And, you know, I um, met a wonderful woman, and she likes to play music, and I've been doing these three- and four-day intensives, and we've both been pretty darn busy, you know? Yeah. And, and the magazine... Really like I don't yeah. even remember, but at some point, you know, you pass the magazine on. To Ashley. Yeah, she's doing a great yeah. job right now. By the way, encouraging all of us. Yeah, she is. Good for her. She, call, you know, what's really odd. Yeah. Not, follow that trail for just a minute. When Angie and I, boy, look at all the threads that are connecting here. When There's Angie still a lot and of I, threads. <clears throat> there's a lot of threads. When Angie and I took the helm. I really hate to say took over because that doesn't that feels wrong somehow because this thing is bigger than any of us, uh, and and Maddie Maddie is the giant on whose shoulders we stand. Yeah. Ah. Getting emotional. Man, I I remember when I was when <laughs> I was real young dulcimer player. I think I just called the dulcimer player news to just check in with them. Like, hey, I just. <laughs> wanted to know you yeah. guys know I'm out here and I you know, need some validation and yeah. she, I was so surprised she answered the phone I'll tell you For what real Maddie yeah I just gotta tell you what I love about Maddie um and I, I didn't know her real well but you know I performed with her a number of times and we we went out to eat a few times and things like that but she had this really unique infectious way of being excited about something <laughs> like i could tell her hey what about this you know what about this one dish here on the menu and she might go oh yes that oh that looks great yes you know, <laughs> like just yeah. this and i just and i also loved on stage her she was so expressive i always thought you know this is she's kind of like an actor a broadway actor who happens to specialize in playing and singing you know, uh, I I was trying to just process the loss, and this is really short. But this is this is what I wrote, and uh, because I, it to me it, it it sort of expresses what you were just trying to say. He was a Maddie was a like a prism, but a prism of joy, and she could change the smallest amount of available light into a into a harmonious spectrum that we could see even if we still didn't quite understand how she did it or even understand how the light works. And that's kind of the way Maddie was always interesting to be around. It's like you knew you were around somebody really special. And I'm not saying Maddie was always 
rainbows and unicorns, you know. <laughs> she had her things that she had to deal with. She really disliked winter. <laughs> she suffered from seasonal affective disorder somewhat and needed sunshine. And But even then, you could you could hear her struggling with a way to try to make you feel better about your situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. She was looking for some way to turn the circumstances into, well, you know, you could just hear her saying that, well, you know, you can look at it that right, way. Right, that's funny. <laughs> You know, I I, oft, I don't remember who the actor was, but there was some actor in Hollywood who really liked her records because it reminded him of his mother when he was young, how she would walk around the house singing. Who was that? Yeah, oh, I don't know. Not Richard Gere. I, I don't know. It was somebody famous. But I think of that, you know, um, when, ever since I heard that story probably around 93, and every time I would hear her sing, I would always remember there's somebody out there that really enjoys being reminded of their mama singing. I just love that. Well, I like that. Yeah, Maddie was kind of our collective mom in a way, which which is interesting. But you know what? She never she never became that uh, look at me as your mom kind of thing. Yeah. Matter of fact, if you tried to put her in that spot, she'd bite you. Huh. She didn't want that. I'd... You did not want that, and I, that's fair. She was contemporary, you know, always contemporary. So that's that's sweet. So she didn't, where, go ahead. Go ahead. Nah. I was just gonna say where, where I started that thought was when Angie and I took over the helm from Maddie. It was like just a month or two before the big stock market crash of oh, two thousand eight. Really? <laughs> yes, and I remember just like, or, or that happened right after we took over, and we were thinking, "Oh my goodness, we've got this you know sixty thousand oh, dollar per yeah. month debt." now wow not not month per quarter you know That's to put better. out an issue it was, it was expensive yeah sorry it was expensive though i mean you were taking on something yeah a lot of work and in a way the change the societal change that happened there people kind of pulled in turns out that didn't hurt magazines and if anything it might have helped them and ashley called like when it was clear that this coronavirus thing was going to like put the stop to a lot of what's going on. Yeah. Ashley called and we don't talk that often. Ashley Ernst, who's the head of Dulcimer players news now. And there was fear in her voice. Yeah. yeah. She's like, what, what am I going to do? Right. She's nervous. And, and just said, you know, kind of <laughs> it's so funny. Maddie's strongest advice to me was never miss an issue. Don't really? do it. Yeah. And that's the same thing. You know, for Ashley, it's like, don't miss an issue and put out there and let people know that you're going to make this thing happen and you need them to to plug in and subscribe and resubscribe and tell others to subscribe because there's more players now just because the planet is older than it was 12 years ago. You know, this is a, it, it, I think can look a little daunting to all of us because maybe because some festivals aren't going to happen, we might all feel a little less connected to each other, which is another reason why you and I talked about doing this again. Yeah. You know, well, I wanted to connect with you, you know? Yeah. Well, there's that too. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I like, you know, bringing up the fear. You said she, she called with fear in her voice. Um, it is, of course, a virus that can be scary for obvious reasons, but I'm not 
I, I'm just dealing with the reality and all my musician friends, but not even musicians. It's crazy to think that so many people aren't at work right now. And some jobs have been temporarily eliminated. And there's the idea like, well, how's that going to affect the restaurant business? It, it's uh, That's all scary. Now, I'm at the same time really thankful that I know what a microphone is. And I know how to record video and sound. And I have the equipment and the experience. Right. And I don't know that this is going to help me really make a living. I don't know what, what's going on, but I do know I have hope, and I love that hope. And um, I, I, I'll tell you what, I've been so active lately, getting up early, working until late. I feel really focused. Maybe I'm choosing the focus over the, the fear and anxiety a little bit. But I definitely oh, feel like you know what you can do. You know what needs to be done. Do it. And and as a scatterbrain musician, I really, I I really really like that I feel focused because I feel focused so rarely. Huh. <laughs> I don't want a world pandemic to be the thing that takes. But I was thinking, you know, <laughs> I do believe that humans seem to do. They seem to shine under adversity sometimes, and I appreciate the opportunity as my dad would say, to get a little reality check, you know? Oh, that's good, yeah. Well, and maybe it's like that. We've talked about this on this podcast before, that if you want to get creative, sometimes you've got to limit your choices. Yes. If there's too many choices, you, you it's hard to... You know, my first composition... Uh, well, the first time I had a teacher in college talk to me about composing something, he said, I want you to create a melody in the key of C major, and you may only use half notes and you cannot use any chords outside of the key of C major. And that was the at first that sounded limiting. But then when I got into it, I thought, well, man, I could do this all day long, you know, but then when we went back, he said, all right, let's turn some of those quarter notes into, or some of those half notes into quarter notes, eighth note pairs. Let's add one chord outside the key. I love <laughs> limited choices. And we certainly seem to have that going on right now. Yeah, that kind of seems to be what's happening right now. So maybe there's maybe there's a correlation there. I think most things are like other things more than we might not notice. That boy, that's a we, sentence. Well, is it? Did it make any sense? No, <laughs> that's, I'd say it a different way. <laughs> I think we none of us are all are, are are all that special. I mean, even though we're you know we're we're going to treat each other like we are. But we're all a lot more alike than we are different. That's what and I. And most circumstances are more alike than they are different yeah. in anybody's life. If you can just sit down and look at it, and then when you get these paradigm shifting circumstances, because the, when we come out of this, the healthcare industry is probably going to be different than what it looks like right now. Yeah, There's a lot of things that are going to change, and the numbers of people that work from home that's going to change, and it may not change instantly. But remember that thing, we talked about this on a podcast once upon a time too, that I don't remember who the philosopher was, but he said most people can predict the future if they just stop and think about it because it looks a lot like where it is right now. <laughs> That's interesting. And then, and then every now and then you have these, you know, these shifts, but even when, when you're just a short bell into the shift, you're getting an idea of how it's going to unfold. So this thing will unfold and there's going to be some change, but we can see the changes because they happened quickly on my street, 
people can't see, but I'm pointing out to the front of my house right now. If if I could take carry the phone out there and let you see it, I almost guarantee you there's somebody walking down the street right now. And there's just so many more people out and being relatively friendly with each other. You know, maybe folks who seeing faces they weren't used to. So there's some neighborhood cohesion that's growing maybe at a six foot distance (laughs) that is yeah yeah it's socially acceptable distance and i'm hopeful for that yeah but i'm also mildly afraid of this what's you know who david you know who david brooks is yeah i know that name Uh, like if you watch the pbs news hour ever there's shields and brooks brooks is the conservative and shields is the liberal guy and david brooks has written quite a few books i think i've read a couple of his the only one's coming to mind it's called the social animal but he's pretty much respected as a center to write, you know, author, conservative, pundit, blah, blah, blah. He said he went back to study the, what was the, was it the 1812? I'm so bad on numbers. The, the last great flu pandemic. Wasn't it 1912? So it was night 1912. I think. He wanted, to, he wanted to find out how people treated each other. And he said the scare the, the kind of sad thing was he found out there was very little written about it. Nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen. Very little written about it. Very little written about it because when people came out the other side, most people not I should say most. Many people were ashamed of the way they acted. Huh. And and we go into these things hopeful and full of love and how we're gonna support each other. But the minute it gets down to it. You know, people can be selfish, and we see that all the well, time. Well, it brings out the best and the worst of people, probably. Maybe, yeah. And we remember the worst things more than we do the best things. Right? Yeah. That's why there's so many books written about what hell's like, but hardly any about what heaven's like, because <laughs> we aren't good at that. We can imagine the scary, but not the bliss. But anyway, it's interesting to see the societal change that goes through that. I think we're in that time where everybody's like, we're going to do this, and maybe you do. You are meeting people who might be your your allies in a larger societal change, you know, over time. But anyway, I'm sorry for being so forty thousand foot level there, but my goodness, have I been involved in a bunch of that stuff? I know. So you're a mayor, level. okay? And uh, uh, I like you told me one day. I asked you how it was going. And you were like, well, I don't have time to talk, but let me just tell you what's going on with the trash collection in my town. And that was enough for me to realize, okay, multiply that times 50 other topics at least. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of that. No, really? Is the mayor the boss of a town? Depends on the governmental type. Yeah. Not here. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know that specifically, so so they they think think you're the boss. So. In some ways, that feels even almost worse because I can't say, yeah, I'll do something about that because I've, I can't. I have to persuade four other people to do something about that. I kind of like that, especially if you had, like, let's say, eight other people like or, or 12. Other, I don't know. I kind of like uh, – I there is a time for having uh, uh, one person be a leader, but I, I really kind of like having a, a group of people lead. I don't know. I don't know I mean, I get to it. hold a gavel. Well, that's a lot. That's some. That's a uh, lot like a hammer, if you ask me. 
It is. You yeah. should get I two should gavels. Take two. <laughs> of course. You need two gavels. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I think you should experiment with hollowing some of them out and maybe putting uh, maybe a soft surface on one side of the gavel. Make one be a whistle? Yeah. Yeah. Make them out of Delrin. Anyway. But, but we're listen, so so we're dealing with stuff like the uh, the Rainbow Lake Trail, not far from my house. You've walked on it many times. Oh, yeah. Lived over here. Do we keep it open or do we close it? Do we limit part of it? If you limit part of it, what about all the people who live uh, in there? You go gotta, from side yeah. trails to get in there. You, yeah. Okay, well, what do you do? I, I could see you guys making a common sense decision about what to do with the trails in your area. But what I want to know about is, uh, and maybe you don't want to talk about this, but I keep wondering about legalities like an attorney saying well you know like liability how does that play into all these decisions well (laughs) it is how nobody from this town probably is ever going to hear this podcast and by the time they do things will (laughs) good luck on that you're in the same state i am yeah and the governor has not really decreed anything on a statewide basis Tells businesses to close, tells people to shelter in place, you know, and limits those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But yet some of the cities like Nashville and Chattanooga and Memphis have done it themselves. Yeah. Here's the thing. What? You hear me? I'm whispering. Yeah, that's right. Okay. It's, uh, they're doing, in my opinion, and especially the healthcare professionals who are working in those hospitals. Yeah. Who see what's really going on. They're doing the right, they're doing the right thing. But it's legally dubious. What's legally dubious? To shut down a city, yeah, without the state, without or the with, federal, without the without the governor's executive order. <clears throat> and if people, businesses, and, and I want to make this not political, but those who are like, "Well, I'm going to show you, you can't do that." They could do that. They could just they could just rise up and say, "You can't do that. Make me." Oh, a lawsuit. Make me. Yeah, or just make me, make it just be a public spectacle and just make it harder to get people to shelter in place uh, because we need the governor to do it. So part of what my job is, has been and other municipal leaders, in a sense, because that is my job, is to represent the town in those things, is I've had conference calls almost every day with, we've had governor's conference calls and we've had municipal conference calls and we've met with municipal technical advisory service and the Tennessee municipal league. And just everybody's trying to figure this out. Turns out nobody had a, it's called a coop, a continuity of operations plan. Nobody had continuity of operation plans for global pandemics in small town, Tennessee. We just hoped it wouldn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like nobody had them and it's been that way for years. And so everybody's trying to figure it out. All these towns all at the same time complicated it's taking a lot of there's a lot and someone's mad at you all the time but you also get people saying really nice things all the time you know because it becomes political so uh, well let me say uh, that because every because i would if i was listening to this podcast i would hope that you would address this even though i don't want to ask you this <laughs> but <Uh-oh>. <laughs> uh <laughs> since you're somebody that's since you are a mayor you know what what's your um a dulcet mayor <laughs> yeah that's right what's your if somebody said I'm a little scared, can you can you tell me how you think this thing's gonna go? What's your response to that? Well, that 
my opinion on that. No, yeah, opinion, opinion. Yeah, my my opinion on that is is not an educated opinion. I'm listening to the experts, and I think you should too. Yeah, that that would be that. Yeah, because I've asked other people, and they just. Like our friend, the epidemiologist, he said, I recommend you check out CDC and the CDC and Johns Hopkins, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, there's a local uh, programmer trail guy who just put up a really great data-based live site that, that he wrote a control panel for, you know, using Google Maps and everything. And it's better than anything the state's got out. So yeah. I was looking at it today and saw the 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 infected rate change in my county Yeah. You know, while, I, while I was looking at that. So there's data out there. The problem is, who, again, nobody will hear this. I'm hoping right now. Well, you don't have to say too much. There, for hospitals aren't properly, some hospitals may not, let me do it this way, may not properly be reporting what's going on. In your opinion. <laughs> no, not in my opinion. I know this. Okay. Because they're protecting their profit margin. And some of the early meetings that the hospitals had, some hospitals perhaps, were filled more with uh, ER people than they were with doctors trying to figure out what we do. And then it gets really crazy. So that's all that stuff's happening, and we need some leadership. Yeah, well, so you know, it's scary because the profitability of a hospital potentially keeps it around longer to help people. Yeah. I don't know. I, again, I don't want to get political, but... In from where you've been to my house before, standing where I'm standing, talking out the window, yeah. right beside me, to a doctor who lives in the house behind me, yeah, him over in his yard, yeah, he was in, he was in tears two days ago. No, yes, I mean he was literally crying um, because because of what because of what he's seeing on a daily basis, the lack of PPE, the personal protective equipment, the lack of testing, knowing that he's got a one and a half year old child at home. And they're not being taken care of properly. So it's people in the fields, and I know a few others. You know, I got I, I got an email from a uh, ICU uh, physician yesterday, just begging me to forcefully close the parks because he's seeing groups of ten to twenty teenagers, mostly. Yeah. You know, they're not bad kids. They're just trying to get out and walk, headed to the parks. And he said he's home for like twenty four hours, sheltering in place. Yeah. Because he knows how bad it is, and he's got to go back in there again. So, well, we've gotten really. This has gotten really dark quickly. But I know. Can you? Can you? Yeah. What's the hopeful? Uh, give me the hopeful. The. the... <laughs> so, <laughs> this is funny. You'll like this, Steve. I was speaking to a Rotary Club about two months ago, and I was trying to carry the message of like one of the biggest issues we have here in Signal Mountain is that our creeks have E. coli, and they have E. coli because of failed septic systems. They have failed septic systems because a bunch were put in improperly during a time when there was lax regulation of building, et cetera. And I was talking about how expensive it's going to be and bond issues and all that. But I'm trying to just fire these people up like, yeah, we can do it. And I got to the end, and this lady, who must be in her late 80s, kind of hunched over, she leans forward and she says, don't you have anything positive to say? <laughs> and I felt so bad. And I said, well... Here's what it is. We, we live in an amazing community with, with people who take care of each other and the opportunity to raise kids here. And our, our schools are strong because of 
participation. I'm involved in the PTA, and I see what's happening in there every day, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that's true of our country as well. So, I mean, the positive side is we'll get through this on the other side, but it does not mean we don't need to have some fundamental changes. And some of those changes are going to happen because things are going to break. Yeah. And our health care system is probably going to break. And while that might seem negative, I think it's probably positive in the long run because we're, we've got the ability to do something better on the other side. That's my opinion. And that's what I think is very positive. doesn't mean we aren't going to go through a time of trouble, which is what I think we're in right now. I, I have an opinion. <laughs> I want to hear it. I think, and I really, I really believe this down deep. It doesn't mean it's true, but I believe it. <laughs> I think that people are way tougher than they think. I think people are way yeah. more resilient than they think. You know, think about all these times when somebody says, man, if I ever lost my job, I just don't know what I'd do. I don't think I could survive that. And if you sit them down and you say, well, let's make a list of everything that would happen if you lost your job and everything you could, po-, you know, you walk away going, oh, okay. I mean, that's the kind of thing a therapist will do with somebody. And you realize, okay, so I guess I would have... And I heard somebody online say, we have way more options than we think sometimes. Sometimes we feel like there are no choices. You know, I don't have a choice. You know, but I feel like we have more options. I think we're more resilient. I think we're tougher than we think, more capable than we think. Um, and by the way, Dan is on a treadmill <laughs> right now. Oh, could you hear a beeping? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just ran it. Yeah, but um, so I'm, you know, I'd, I was out. I ended up, I had a four day workshop that was, I mean, it was right on the cusp of all this getting serious, you know, I didn't know what to do. We we were talking about, do you go? Yeah, I was writing you like, what do I need to know here? Um, so I had 37 people signed up and, um, we found a place. It was a big room. More than 10. Yeah. But there wasn't a 10 thing in place at that point. Uh So, uh, it was a big room. And, a, and it was in Townsend, Tennessee, you know, big sky, lots of big spaces, you know, and um, small group. But over the days, you know, I ended up calling everybody and emailing everybody. I stayed in touch with everybody. Lost 21 people. Not not, not to death. No, no, no. Just, just that said, you know, <laughs> this thing's starting to look more serious, you know. Yeah. So then I thought. You know, I don't want this to lead to any litigation, but here's here's the choices <laughs> I made. Um, I had a thousand dollars in the bank, you know, and I and I was I was between those places where it's like, well, maybe you should just cancel this. But I didn't know how much of this is hype, how much of this is of this is real, you know. And it ended up getting closer to ten people, is <laughs> and. And I talked to everybody. Oddly enough, they were health professionals, which is so bizarre to me. Most That's of them were. Well, I had a surgeon. had a bunch of nurses. I mean, six or seven nurses. I had somebody who worked for a company who specializes in infectious diseases. Everybody told me, you know, we, we can, if, the, if this is worse than we think, we can all leave, whatever. But um, that was scary. Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do for the people that, you know, that they couldn't come, you know, they all said this and most of them, they brought it up. They wanted to reschedule, which is encouraging. We want to do this. We just don't want to do this one, you know, and um, I took two cameras 
And I recorded 24 hours of instruction because I thought this might be the last chance I get for a while to uh, probably probably is you know so I was but I want to tell you what happened the days leading up to that I had increased anxiety and fear and just not know what was going on and you know the second I started teaching and playing I felt so invigorated and then we would go outside on the breaks and the birds and the sky and everything so I really enjoyed working with those people. And eventually, you know, the group got smaller and we, everybody went home. But, um, when I got home, I felt that anxiety start to come back on me. And here's my big opinion on this. I really do think you need to replace what was your schedule with a new one. And I think you need Uh to be proactive and deliberate about if you could redesign your life just even a little bit right now, what do you want to do? And for me, we're cooking good stuff at home. We bought some chicks. We're tilling the ground. We've got a bunch of seeds. We're cooking the meals. We're eating at the table. Everybody in the house. Um, we're talking about exercise, quality time. Heather and I want to have, no matter what, a little bit of quality time together every day. And in some ways, boy, I can't tell you how much hope that's given me. And in some ways... I feel like I might be doing better than usual right now, today. I feel driven. I feel like I'm focused. Uh, so, But my, my, my recommendation is take the things that you know are good in life and do not neglect them. Well, <laughs> it's like this. If you honestly, if, all, if it really went bad, I mean, it went escape from New York bad. Right. Not, not only a bad movie, but a bad scene. In the, movie. the person that I want to take advice from is the person who's used to living out of a dumpster, oh, that's not a stockbroker. <laughs> you know, somebody who, and I guess I'm saying that because, as folk musicians, <laughs> we've been, we've, we've been, uh, we're a little more used to not being completely sure about what the next thing. I is. thought of that this morning. Yeah, like we're always got to be making it. You can make the next thing happen. You know, as a musician, you pretty much know how the next seven days is going to go. Pretty much. But you don't ever know beyond that. And I feel like, you know, and some people have said to me, how can you live with that uncertainty? And it's like, well, you know, I've read this great article today talking about Generation Xers, which I guess I'm one. I was born in 73. You know, in the 50s. I don't know if that would have been you. <laughs> in the fifties, no. they told kids uh, about the, the the possibility of a nuclear threat. And the, oh, I ducked it. I did duck and cover. Yeah. In, uh, you guys were told if as long as 60s. you get under the desks, there's a good chance you're gonna be all right. Yeah, but then you listen to your your parents' comedy albums when they weren't there. Yeah, and can I say the word ass? Sure, you're gonna have to put and a then, new rating on this podcast. No, probably not because. It was anyway. I remember one of the one of the jokes. It said, "What you're supposed to do is bend over and put your head firmly between your legs, yeah, and then kiss your ass goodbye." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember we all knew that as children too. That was the joke we all made. You know, as, as we were leaning over with our heads under the desk, we were going, "Yeah, this is the place where," you know. So even kids know what's going on. True, they're, but they're I mean, aware. when I was a kid, they just told us. They showed us this show, this movie. You had to parents had to sign and. It basically 
made it look like if that happens, it's all over. And I remember the existential dread, I get to finally use that phrase, that I experienced <laughs> in the sixth grade for about three days when I thought, how am I supposed to have a normal life with this hanging over me? The threat of nuclear annihilation. But you know what? I got used to it and I've been making the best of it ever since, you know, yeah. and viruses are not new, man. No, they're not. And remember, you also had a fear, an existential fear at some point in your life as a kid. If what if I forget to breathe? Oh, I remember, remember that? that, dude. I think I do that <laughs> once a year. I'm like, let's see if it's still working. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to think about it too much because you might stop. That stuff, yeah, it's this is all a part of life. I mean, it's a, this is a tough part of life because it's happening too fast, you know. And and again, to see the fear in the in a doctor's eyes or somebody who's dealing with this, that's that's tough. But, you know, because they're they're seeing stuff that we aren't. I know. Right I now. I'm. Um... I'm doing all the prep work I can to move as much of what I do online as possible. Oh, are you a prepper now? Is this like a that's prepper? That's right, Dulcy prepper. <laughs> and once all that's in place, I'm going to see if I can book some private lessons. And once that's been settled, I'll go from there. You know. Hey, I need I need some cash. I'll, I'll say it just. Straight. I can help you out. I can help you out. How much you need? I, I, no, I don't want. I, I got two hundred bucks in my wallet. <laughs> and, and you know what? I know you'd give it to me if I actually asked <laughs> I'd you. give you a tenth of it. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants to buy a, uh, I've got two. Oh, this is great. This is going to sound like those right. morning shows in little communities where they sell their stuff. <laughs> I've got, these are barely worn shoes. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I've got, I've got a couple of Dulce Fortes and they are, they're, they're awesome instruments. And I've got one that I've been playing for a little bit. I can sell as used and I got another new one if anybody's interested new one but if anybody was interested i could make somebody an amazingly good i'm interested deal. on the used one on a barely used you don't have it you go, you've got you're only going to give me a tenth of two hundred dollars yeah i want to see what this amazing <laughs> deal is well, i'm not going to talk about it here all right listen if you've got if you want that dulcimer you contact dan but you got to go through me first. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have mentioned no. that you're interested. Yeah, but you really should Heather, contact yeah. Dan. We can get into a bidding war. That's healthy. I mean, we got to take care of you. Uh, you've got a bunch of things hanging on the wall. Yeah. Well, no, but uh, I'm going to stop my treadmill. Steve, I'm so sorry. What are you I'll doing? Put this, I'm going to show you because we'll post this on Facebook. Really? I'm going to flip the camera around now. Okay. And I'll let everybody else see this picture. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Steve, wow, I didn't so, know you had all so many pads around. Describe it. what you're looking at. So it's okay, just well this is a this is a large hammer dulcimer. I happen to know there's a there's a new special um, sensing technology. It's actually old, but it's being reapplied to the hammer dulcimer. So he can hit different parts of the hammer dulcimer, and an algorithm is going to interpret that and and send it to different sounds. He's got a number of listening. electronic pads and cymbals. He's got a reverse dampening pedal. So um, when he puts the pedal down, it comes off of the strings. There's also a couple of other pedals down there to trigger sounds. He's got this awesome thing with all these touch-sensitive, pressure-sensitive pads on it uh, that allows you to uh, do all kinds of stuff. So what you're trying to do here is be a circus of noise. <laughs> or it's just a circus act in general. It's not noise, my friend. It's I'm finding ways. You know what I almost did? 
uh, when Maddie died, I I thought it would be appropriate, and I just chickened out because I was afraid it would freak people out. But I sat in here and was doing creating some rhythms using Ableton Live and the uh, in the push two, yeah. and played the water is wide in the the most funky, cool, groovy manner. You know, yeah. that was and it was through tears. I'll tell you. But, like, I don't know. That seems appropriate. It was cathartic for me, you know? Let's talk uh, about this yeah. real quick. Okay. So, Dan, like, I go through these phases. I get all interested in Irish. We still haven't talked about that. Then I get interested in electronic music. Then I get interested in bluegrass. Then blues. Dulcimer, guitar, back to dulcimer. It's a constant thing, right? And my mom said one day, because I was playing a bunch of mandolin about two months ago. Well, actually starting in August for a few months. Uh, that's not entirely true. But anyway, um, my mom saw me playing mandolin off and on quite a bit. And she said, what about the dulcimer? What about the dulcimer? And here's the thing about me. The dulcimer has always been the tip of an iceberg for me. I put it at the top. I love it. It's, it's, it's my sonic wilderness. But below the surface is all of my love and passion for music in all of its forms and all, you know, and sometimes I'll see somebody make a disparaging comment to somebody like maybe I could imagine somebody might say, well, Dan Landrum, he's he's got this electronic thing on his hammer dulcimer now. He might as well play a keyboard, right? Well, here's the thing y'all who think that might ought to remember we our best bet is to do what we do honestly and passionately because we love it. And as soon as we move away from doing it because we love it, it starts to die. And so our only hope is to do what we love. Now, whether you like it or not, and whether we end up getting paid to do it, that's a, that's a whole different deal. But I can tell you that the last since August, but I have, and also, you know, to escape the anxiety of all this stuff, I have really enjoyed playing music lately. I mean, does that make me sound hollow? I have really no. enjoyed it. I've needed it more than ever. I think that's right. the thing. I think most people get that. And there's, yeah, I think most people get that. We probably worry about that too much. You've said to me, dude, why are you fretting over that? Just do what you like. Yeah. That's what got, that's what gets you the gigs. That's it might be gets, different kinds of gigs <laughs> than what you're yeah, used sure, to. Yeah, sure, it might know. change. And back on the money-making frame for just a minute, I put a note on Facebook the other day, and I want to go ahead and put it here, too. I didn't even think about it till just now. I'm going to take some new students for just specifically Skype lessons, and yeah. I, you may or may not be doing that, too, Steve. So I want to take this, one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to take a lesson. <laughs> uh, and what I'm wanting to teach is Hammer Dulcimer, also, just rhythm training for anybody, for any instrument. Hand, drum, whatever. Well, it doesn't even have to, you don't even have to have a drum. That's probably the best way to do it, isn't it? It is. So, I'm te you can't see here behind me. Oh, man, I almost he, fell he down. almost fell off the treadmill. <laughs> I stepped Wish I had a picture of that. I just took a <laughs> screenshot. Okay. Here there. behind me, I've got a little uh, uh, Ludwig Pocket Quest drum. So it's, it's called a Quest Love Pocket Kit. Excuse me. And I'm teaching Barrett and Dean grandchildren to play, to play traps. Yeah, and I'm doing one of the things we've talked about on this on this podcast a lot is getting them to be able to say everything. 
So I'm watching a six-year-old and an almost seven-year-old go one and two and three and that's four good. and yeah, that's good. one and two. And Notice I'm making Zach sending two and four, everyone. <laughs> and we're yelling at each other, one and two and three. And I can get, you know, like that right hand going click, click. I'm doing it on my shoulder now. So if I can get that going, one and two and three, and then take the left hand, one and two and three and four, and as soon as you, st- it's hard if you've never done it. Drummers do it just naturally. <laughs> so uh, one of the cutest conversations recently was trying to explain to Barrett, about to turn seven, the concept of the prefrontal cortex and things going from that into muscle memory. You know, and I make him repeat these things back to me. And it's just wonderful, but he'll probably end up being a pretty good drummer by it. Uh, and whether you play drums or mandolin or guitar or mountain dulcimer, hammer dulcimer, it doesn't matter. You've got to be able to feel different rhythms. And uh, something you and I had a geeky conversation. Remember, I think we said we should have recorded that about the concept of burying the click. Yeah. Remember that? We talked about it recently. Talk uh, about it. Well, when you're playing to a click, if you can hear the click, you're probably not on the click. And if that's your goal, that's fine. But if your goal is to be on the click, then you probably won't really hear it. Why? Because it is exactly the precise millisecond that you're strumming or striking or whatever. The very and attack. It, yeah. The ver- And it just disappears. And at first it can cause your rhythm to mess up again because you're like, oh, 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 the click must have stopped or I must be off. But then when you go, uh-uh, I am the click. <laughs> it's just, there's this mental space that it hits and then you relax into it and you find that you can keep that click buried for a long time. And the more you practice doing these kinds of hand motions or strumming or just whatever it is, you're building your sense of timing. And, and I would say one other thing that, I've, that I was kind of forgot I'm using a clip, that, a click with the kids that has a ding. Really, it goes ding, tick, 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 ding, tick, tick. Two and three and yes. four. And. I make them not start until they are just so solid where that ding is. Oh no! You know. Ah, oh, well, here's a here's something. That's huge. Here's an idea. So my friend Russell, hello Russell. Shout out to Russell. Yo, Russell. He listens to these, you know? Good for him. Anyway. Or he used to, I'm anyway. Not, well, that's right. I knew, That's right. Two years ago, he did. Three years ago. But I I, uh, I met Russell when I was in the sixth grade. But he's been working with a click. I sent him. We've done some lessons. I sent him a track that's got a count off at the beginning. Ding, 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 ding. It might only be three, actually. It's a waltz. Bum, bum. Um, and then it goes, you know, and he said to me, uh, and I understand what he's thinking. I've thought the same thing. He said, I think I need more. I need a little more of that click up front before the song starts. Right. But listen, I told him you got a whole song full of that beat. I mean, this song is actually a click. The whole thing is a click basically. Right. So I said, just let it play and just sit and hear it. 
back it up, let it play, move to it, back it up, let it play, move your right arm through the air as you're strumming the air, back it up, let it play, start to count out loud, back it up, let it play, just do a strum, don't worry about the song, you know, it's like, there's no shortage of clicks, just because the very beginning of it isn't enough, you know. Now, I think I sound crazy when I get excited about something as simple as the beat, but I told Russell, <laughs> I said, some of this might seem boring, but if you, if you take the beat seriously, you will not be bored, and your listeners won't either. It's, you know, like a return to basics <laughs> music. What a beautiful time. I talked about this with Wayne and Patricia on their podcast. Uh, I what a beautiful time a season of your life to get something down you've been wanting to get down but haven't had <clears> the time to do. Yep, really. You know what it was? What I've been obsessing lately on my right foot, and I've always been envious of some of these drummers that just get. It's not about this. Isn't about the complexity of the rhythm that they get out of the right foot, which is what's on the kick drum when you're playing drums. Yeah. What I'm talking about is the actual technique of how they can change from double and triple kicks, right. you know, before and after the beat and in yeah. different spots. And Da-da. I won't Da-da. go. I won't go too long on this, but I'm. I watch YouTube is a is a is a wonderful thing because I've seen all these different drummers, you know, giving their opinions on heel up or heel down or hybrid, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I just kind of tried to look and see what I did. <clears throat> and then, and this is, we've talked about this with dulcimers before. Find somebody who's playing something you like. That, that's a good thing. You, know, you like the feel of what someone does. And then maybe uh, if they have instruction, follow their instruction. So I recognize as a hammered dulcimer player, mainly, <clears throat> and I've made, I, what are, what are, this is 20. I've been successfully self-unemployed 22 years now doing this, you know, and the world's changing. And I owe the fact that I get to live this pretty awesome life to people who've been willing to hire me and come see me and have me play gigs or come learn from me and that kind of stuff. I recognize that not everybody wants to play funky fusion. They don't want to play in the same way, right. No, we don't want everybody to want to play the same way. No, but the technique to be able to do that stuff is the same all the way around. And so the technique stuff, I don't mind somebody saying, you know, you're once upon a time I did, you know, you're quite a technician. I, that feels like a badge of honor. And so back to the kick drum thing, I'm getting better. I'm doing stuff. I mean, I remember I, Back when I had the cool rock and roll hair and stuff, you know, and I was playing in bands and I, I liked wearing just a t-shirt, you know, because I look good. and that, I don't look like any of that stuff now. Nobody wants to see me, but I think if their eyes would close, they would go, man, that sounds good. You know. <laughs> that feels better. You bring up a good point. I think this, I've said this before, but in general, there's been no better time in history for people in their later years to actually do a lot of cool stuff and grow and learn. I I want to, I want to go into this. I want to talk about this because what a, this is a good time to do it. Um, I have surprised myself in the last 
year, but really since August, I have surprised myself with what I'm capable of. There were things I had given up on. I mean, I think a lot of musicians do this. When you're young, you're like, I want to do that, you know? And then as you get into music, you find out, well, you're not doing exactly that. You kind of got your own thing going. But some part of you is like, well, I wish I was good at that. Why am I not good at that thing I fell in love with early on? And, mm-hmm. then, and then you start to think, well, maybe yeah, I'm just a different kind of musician. You know, not everybody, you know. <laughs> like, it's like I, but then in the recent past, I've, I've absolutely blown my own mind being able to do something I could not do a year ago. And for the, you know, I'm 46 and I know that's young. (laughs) We're all enjoying our youth, but I'm, I actually, I became a lot better at a few things, you know? And, um, the biggest thing, I just want to tell you about it. I've all, I fell in love with Irish music at 16. I heard Thistle and Shamrock on the radio. Yonder Itchy. The way I described that music at the time was this is Dungeons and Dragons music or this is Tolkien music or something, you know, Um, and those modes, Mixolydian, Dorian, you know, I never felt those before, but I knew they were different. There was something. Um, It sounded like the music elves listened to. So exciting. I remember getting (laughs) goosebumps. Um, and before I ever met a dulcimer, you know, I went to an Irish session. It was so fast. I couldn't even hear individual notes as, and it's, it's really like, there's been this running theme through my life of, you know, once uh, right around Christmas every year, I get the Irish stuff out. I try to learn more about it, but here's the deal. I've never been able to take part in sessions. I've never been able to learn those tunes very well. I've never been able to memorize them. And I, I can sight read really well. I've learned a lot about ornaments. I know so much, but I haven't been able to actually do it. And I've gradually given up. And I've realized, at least I thought I had realized, this is over for me. You know? Mm. Um, I have my own music. I get to enjoy that. That needs to be enough. All right. Well, here's what happened. This is a pretty big deal, man. So they said, back when I was 16, if you can sing it, you can play it. You need to learn this stuff by ear. You should not be learning this stuff off the paper. Not that paper's useless, you know, but. Right. So, what did I do with that? I tried to learn it by ear. It was too fast. I quit. Okay. And I'll, and I'll tell you why that didn't work. Can in I a just minute. throw in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you'll pick up right there. The same is true for rhythms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So. What did I do over the years? I tried to sight read it because I felt like I couldn't play it by ear. Even though I was a pretty good ear player, man. I couldn't pick up Irish by ear. So I start sight reading it. I try to memorize it off the paper. It doesn't work. You know, I mean, I got to work really hard to memorize it off the paper and it barely sticks. And it's just like, well, I guess I'm just not good at that also. That's another thing I'm not good at. Um, So... What did I do all these years? I could even sight sing Irish music pretty fast, but I didn't have it memorized. Any blah, blah, blah. So in August, I forget why this occurred to me, but I got excited about Irish again, and I was getting ready to talk myself out of it. You know, like, look, it's time to give up on this. I really thought it's time to give up on this. But then that phrase came back to my head. If you can sing it, you can play it. Learn it by ear. It's like I never really believed anybody. It's like I never even really tried that. So here's what I started doing in August. I wanted to simulate what I thought might have happened 100, 200 years ago, 150 years ago in Ireland. You've got somebody who's a good player sitting across from a, a new player. 
They're willing to slow down for you. They're willing to repeat, right? Yeah. Okay. Let me just give you the whole picture, but go ahead if you need to. No, I don't. I know it's like I'm giving a speech, but this is profound (laughs) for me. So I wanted to simulate somebody There's a good player who's willing to slow down for me and play over and over, right? So what I decided to do, I found this great collection online of 116 Irish tunes played in a session. I put them on my phone into a program called AnyTune Plus Pro. What a title that is. It allowed me to slow them down to 70% to 60 to 50%, but maintain the pitch. I listened to those session tunes for three straight months, and I never tried to play them on an instrument. My only goal was to sing every car ride, every time I got in the shower, any time there was downtime. I would play through these tunes and I started to keep track of which ones I could sing along to. And I couldn't sing along perfectly. You know, I was getting 80, 90%, but I ignored every negative voice and I just did it anyway. This is the one shot, man, in your life. You're going to do this. And I eventually got down to a list of 20 tunes that I still couldn't really sing along with. I bought, I got it down to 10. I got it down to five. Finally, I could put this list on shuffle and it's 70% sing 90 six percent of all the notes okay and because i have tunes of 116 tunes okay well you're you're talking about narrowing them down to five well eventually i just my list of ones i couldn't sing along with got smaller and smaller couldn't couldn't. okay gotcha so so then i'm singing these tunes and because i'd listened to them so slowly at first i had gotten that hard to get rhythm jigs go they're not even and there's different degrees some are more even some are more swingy the reels definitely swing but it's a very light swing at a high tempo i and and so i'm singing all these tunes so then i thought okay it's time to get an instrument you know and i played a little mandolin i guess since uh Evert, but not much you know i had played a little fiddle in my life but terribly I sat out one night and I played through on the mandolin 30 tunes at 50% speed from memory. I'd never played these tunes in my life, but I could sing them at 50% speed, which is slow. I was getting at 70 to 80% of the notes. Like, I don't know how many tunes, but it, I think it was like 30 tunes. The next day I woke up, I did whistle. I got like 10 or 15 tunes. I got the mandolin back out. Then I got the dulcimer out to prove And here's the reality. This is what blew my mind. Three solid months of singing these tunes at slow speeds with good source material. I'm able to pick up an instrument and play these tunes from memory. 116 tunes. That's ridiculous, you know. And then, since then, I've gone to some sessions um, around Nashville, Columbus, Ohio, out in um, Arizona, and I'm still a beginner, okay? I still can't play at 100% speed. But at 80 to 90% speed now in the local session, I've got a lot to learn. But I'm telling you, I can't believe I'm able to sit in in sessions mm. now. This is the age of 46. I I already figured, well, man, if you can't do this by the time you're 21, you're probably not going to be able to do it. Why did I just maybe ruin the end of the podcast with this long story? Because, no, 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 no. Oh, my gosh. It's because we are way more capable than we think we are. 
Steve, you told me years ago that the only thing you and I have to offer anybody is hope. <laughs> Did you I just say gave that? me some? Yes, you said that. That's what we do as as musicians and teachers. Uh. We are in the business of. I'm going to use the word selling because we do deserve to be paid for it. You know, it's okay because it takes a while. I mean, I've watched you teach for years now. I've seen how hard you work at it, and I've seen you adjust your style. And you know, Steve Seaford, you might go, man, that guy is all over the place. He's all over the place because his door houses are many. Really? <laughs> you have so yeah, you have just a vast door house of things that you could do, but you've honed them. And I mean, that's what you're putting together with this video. It's a lot stuff of work. Doing now. Singing 116 yeah. tunes for three yeah. months is I can't believe Heather put up with it. She was so supportive. She knew it was a yeah. lifelong dream, and she never complained. I think one. One evening, she said, hey, can we take a little break? You've been doing that for like six hours, <laughs> you know? I, I want to be really careful about comparing where you are now with maybe where you were. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm just really makes, brings, puts a song in my heart to see where you are now. <laughs> so how's that? Are you being a general? In well, general. Let me, let me wrap the yeah. tune thing up. Um, I recently got together with some old-time musicians, and although I would say I've always had a pretty good ear, you wouldn't believe it. it's different, man. It's different now after those three months. I could pick tunes up quicker. I can retain them quicker. I, I got with my classes. The last five or six group classes I worked with, as far as like a three or four day intensive, I do the same thing. I get a tune out, an Irish tune. I play it slow. I get them to sing it. We sing it for about 20 minutes. You know, that's hard to get a group to just do that for 20 minutes. We do it slow, we do it fast. We do it slow, we do it fast. At one point, I turn the recorder off, or I mean the, the player, and I'm singing with them. And then at one point, I quit singing, and they're singing it. They're singing the tune, right? Then after that, I say, all right, we're going to get our instruments out, and now I'm going to play two measures at a time over and over and over and over. And you're allowed to play along with me every other time. And I do that until they sound good. I ended up teaching them the whole A part of the tune. I eventually stopped playing. They're all playing the tune, a hard Irish tune, you know? So I want to encourage you guys that are hold up at home. Make a list of some things that maybe you that are really important to you that you might have given up on a little bit. This is a great opportunity yeah, to take a fresh stab at it. That is. It really is. Dan. What? <laughs> I love this music stuff. For better yeah, or for good. worse, you know? You know, I'm wondering, uh, back to the thing that I heard. I, I never heard this because I didn't. he was gone before I was here, but I remember when my father told me that his dad said uh being a musician you know is not musician's not worth a not worth a penny to anybody right i don't think that's true i don't think, I think it's true I, mean, I don't think it's true and i, I think feel right now sometimes i'm afraid it's true but i really really don't believe uh, it's true i'm sure that there are people who value those things that way but i feel this forgive me i'm gonna make enemies now but I feel that way about football. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 
just not something that interests me, but I don't have to diss it. I'm kind of glad uh, it's there, and just, except for the head injuries. Anyway, keep moving. New topic. Yeah, but, 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 the, <laughs> but, the, but the point is, there are, not everybody's going to like what you do or see the value in it. But for those who can benefit from this snake oil of hope that we're selling, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're pretty good at that. We're not the best. I mean, whatever that means anyway. We offer what we offer, and it works for some people and it doesn't for others, but... Hopefully somebody will uh, you know write you and say, "Hey, I want to start taking some private lessons." And me too. Uh, that this is how we are going to continue to get through this and feed our families as well. Some of you may not be able to afford that, and I, we recognize that as well. And I even put on the thing I put on Facebook: if you really you know just know you're going through a tough time and you want to take lessons, but you're pretty sure you'll be okay later, I'll give you lessons and you can pay me later. Absolutely. Uh, so. Let's just get it going and create some joy in our lives and get through this time of trouble. Well, let me hard times come again no more. <laughs> amen. Let me uh, point out just a few things. First of all, um, Ashley and the Dulcimer Players News Magazine. You know, get send some love her way, even if it's just a amen. message. Even if it's yep. just a, a message. Um, we've also got the Hearts of the Dulcimer podcast. Yep. which I just did an episode of that today. So um, th- they really give a lot of joy to people, man. They're, my, I think maybe one of my favorite episodes on there is the one on Howie Mitchell. Listen to the one on Howie Mitchell. It's just amazing. Um, also, go to, go to the, the websites of the musicians you care about and just musicians, make sure everything you're doing is on the front page of your website. And not are you hard a little to find. Con- are you a little concerned about everybody trying to raise money? Can we talk for? We've been going okay, over an okay, hour okay, now. Okay, have we okay, been going okay. two hours? No, nah. we've been going two hours. No, we've been going a mi- an hour and five minutes. Okay, I'm a little concerned that people. Ah, there's some. Nah, be careful because I know everybody's just trying hard. Yeah, yeah. Streamed, you know, live music right on Facebook right. YouTube, it's not as much fun. Yeah, but there's things about it that are fun. Tell me. Help me. Educate me. Okay, well, I'll tell you. There's a there's a website called Reddit, R-E-D-D-I-T dot com. And they just started a new service of maybe a few months ago that everybody keeps laughing at and saying it's pretty much useless, uh, where anybody can just broadcast live and you can flip through it like those old cable boxes where you had, you know, hundreds of channels. You just hit next, 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 next. Well, nobody's been on there for months, right? Well, guess what? <laughs> Are they lighting up now? Oh, I want to try it. Up. Okay. And so the most popular one yesterday, <laughs> I don't even know why it makes me emotional. It's this young guy. He looks like he's 14, maybe. Uh, he's an American. He's, he's, you know, he's at his house. He's playing the fire out of the Scottish bagpipes. He's playing the fire out of it. And he just played and played and played and played. And he had like 48,000 listeners. Whoa, that's cool. Now, then I started flipping. There's a guy working on uh, skateboard tricks. And he's just, he's going to do this one trick all day, every day until he gets it. And then there was another one where there was a guy who was um, a Bob Ross uh, qualified instructor. I guess he's been through the training program. 
Making happy trees. Not only is he painting like Bob Ross, but he's taking questions. And he knows a lot about Bob Ross. So I'm <laughs> flipping through these things. There oh, was one, like- and it said... Uh, Rabbit hole? Yes. It said, brand new puppy, uh, blind with one eye, first hour out of the... the, uh, uh, the what do they call it? The, the shelter. Okay. You got a puppy just left the shelter sniffing the grass. You know, I'm watching that for 10, 15 minutes. You know? <laughs> How are you going to memorize a bunch of Iris songs watching a puppy sniffing the grass? So, uh, but my point is, and that's just one example. Um, there's a lot of joy to be had in these different things, you know, but you, I, I guess to be fair, what were you, what were you thinking? <laughs> No, I, nothing. Nothing. All I was just responding to is there's there's a saturation point that can can happen. Maybe. Oh yeah. Well, and maybe right about the time that happens, uh, we'll all be getting out of our house a lot more. Yeah, hope so. I'm going back to see some live music. Oh, I got, and I know they won't listen to it. I get yelled at by a neighbor. <laughs> I was talking about all the peace and love and joy going around, but two doors down from me. Neighbor kid. There's like two people on my street learning to play drums right now. Yeah. Oh, uh, and he brought his drum set out on the front porch and he's got it all set up. And uh, I was like, man, I'm just going to go say hey to him. And I walked up with my own drumsticks. I mean, I know this kid. And I said, scoot away. So keep your distance. And I brought my own stick so we wouldn't even be touching the same thing. And I was just, I was wailing on him. And it was really cool people coming up and down the street and clapping and folks stopping and doing live video and laughing and dancing. And then a neighbor came out. Yeah. She was mad. Yeah. <laughs> she was so mad. So I don't know why I told that story. I just thought it was kind of funny that it it doesn't all go. <laughs> I'll tell you the one thing. Work. People are getting mad at young people right now because they're not respecting these boundaries and stuff. But um, And I'm going to be an absolute optimist on this point. One thing you can appreciate from some young people is they they want to keep living, <laughs> you know? So I, I would encourage young people to live in a safe way, but um, that what I'm seeing on the internet right now is a lot of people at home just, I don't know, man, this is a strange time, Dan. Like you're tempted to think, oh, this is just a weird thing for a few days, but it almost seems like, well, maybe this is something bigger than that. This is bizarre. Yeah, can I can I read something? Because this is this will be my closing statement. Okay, it's in story form and it's not very long. Yeah. Right. So stop looking on the internet. And listen to me. <laughs> okay, hang on, hang on, Dad. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, close that one. Oh, there is a DanLandrum.com. Make sure you click on musician. He's going to make sure that the latest stuff is up. I'm getting rid of that. Hearts of the Dulcimer. Listen to that. John Bonham. Ahead of his time with the with the the kick drum pedal. All right. Oh I, my goodness, no, Bonham, man, I'm listening to Bonham, Neil <laughs> Peart, and Steve Gadd, and all that stuff. All right, I'm Amazing. I'm ready to listen now. Are you smarter than frogs and fleas? You know that story about how you can slowly heat a pot of water filled with swimming frogs, and they'll eventually boil to death because they acclimate and don't jump out. You've heard that? Yeah, right? yeah. It's not true. Oh come on. Also untrue is that story about how you can put fleas in a jar with a lid on it, apply fire underneath the glass, and the fleas will jump up and down until they bounce off a lid. That story always says, 
once you determine once they kind of hit their limit of hitting that lid, you can take the lid off and they will not jump any higher than that because they've been trained to not jump any higher. Right. That's also not true. Okay, so you got some in things reality, that are true here. That's right. <laughs> in reality, frogs and fleas are smarter than that. Oh. And my question for today is, are we, our comfort zones are the heat and the lids. The time now is to jump to safety. And that jump that we need to make out of the frying pan or whatever it is may be no farther than onto a comfortable couch with a book, you know, to chill. The fire underneath our comfortable lives is growing, and we have but a simple job to do. It's to stay home unless it's unnecessary to venture out. If you must get out, even for reasons of maintaining your sanity, social distance and frequently wash your hands with soap for at least 20 seconds or use hand sanitizer. Know that your children probably aren't going to grasp the importance of this. No matter how much you explain it, you have to enforce it. This is true from toddlers all the way to indestructible teens. Those with the wealth of being young must be taught the compassion and strength it takes to save those that are less fortunate. Hmm. Saving people is a noble cause that teens can get behind. I mean, they're good at that kind of stuff. Uh, they learn this if they were being trained for war as a platoon. They'd be trained to do that, and they'd save each other's lives. This is a war, but in this case, we're the instructors, and so we have to model it and teach them this behavior. Take advantage of your high-speed internet connection to join your teens in peering into the containers that we call hospitals. Observe the reality being lived right now by duty-bound neighbors with little choice. Their feet are being burned in the fire. They risk infecting their own families and social networks. Some healthcare providers are boiling to their deaths right now, hmm. but many more are boiling mad because they see us in bundling into groups, kind of like kindling and need to not be kindling in this situation. Our healthcare workers need all of us to be leaders right now from parents to presidents. It's not okay if we all play a pickup game of basketball or all meet for a hike. And when the necessities of life force us together, we have the choice to keep our distance. Let's all act like we're infected. If someone enters your space, step away or ask them to step away. If you can't, say a sincere thank you when they do and apologize when you forget and do it yourself because you will. Our ordinary social activities bring us comfort, but they just simply need to be on hold for a short time, and this time of trouble will pass, and it's up to us to uh, lessen or extend the duration. Finally, follow the fleas, follow the frogs, jump, and don't be kindling. Hey, it was really that's good what, talking to you. That's what hit me this morning. Can I, can I tell you why I wrote that? <laughs> you wrote that? Yeah, I, I wrote thought you morning. were reading that out of the New York Times or something. Now, I wrote it because I got up and said somebody showed me something that another mayor had written from a town where he just launched on people, called mm -hmm. them every name in the book about being stupid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there were folks, this was a thing on Twitter, and they were all saying, I wish this person was our mayor, you know, because they're calling it like it is. But I'm thinking, yeah, they are, and you, and you think it's fun to read, but it just angers people. Yeah. I think we're bigger than that, and we can be motivated to, to do better. So yeah. you know, I was like, I want to write the anti, not the anti version of that, but I want to write the persuasive version of that. So. 
I liked it, anyway. but you know, now that I know it's that you wrote it, I'm likely to back up and listen to it a little closer now. <laughs> or argue with me. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but like I All said, right, listen, it's been good talking with you. I'm glad we have this sense of community. I mean, I'm glad we actually have community. And um, I wish everybody the best. Let's keep it. Let's keep it moving. And, uh, do something good with your time every day yeah. for the rest of your life, no matter what. Bye. Adios.